I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today from Durban is Nondomiso Tembe, who is a multi-award-winning actress, singer, and songwriter. Her acting credits stretch from South Africa to the USA with roles in SABC's Generations, HBO's Golden Globe and Emmy Award-winning True Blood, the History Channel's military drama Six. Her recent film work includes Zulu Wedding, and she has just had a run in theatre with King Kong to highlight a few. She has won a Naledi Theatre Award in 2014 for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and her debut album, Izwilami, My Voice, earned a Metro FM Music Award for Best Music Video. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Selbo, and I thank you so, so much for having me. Happy holidays, and um, it's really good to be home. <laughs> I just landed pretty much a day or two ago. Uh, it's all a bit of a blur right now, but um, it's, it feels so good to be home. Well, we're glad to have you on home turf, as it were. Yeah. And look forward to digging deeper in terms of some of your experiences, both from a South African perspective and also from a U.S. perspective. Mm-hmm. So to start off with, you were born in Durban, but raised yes. in New York, yes. where both your parents studied music at Juilliard. And yes. now your mom, Linda Bukusini, is the chief executive of the Playhouse Company in Durban, and your dad, Bongani Tembe, is the chief executive and artistic director of the KwaZulu-Natal Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm-hmm. So, before And we... world-renowned opera singers <laughs> and fabulous artists themselves, <laughs> I proudly have to say. They still sing quite a bit, but... Um... That's fabulous. Well, with that yeah, kind of yeah. heritage, performance <clears throat> art is clearly in your DNA. Yeah. And now you're based in Los Angeles and you're uh-huh. developing your acting career. Mm-hmm. And given that brief intro with your mom and dad, can you tell us how your parents and your upbringing influenced some of your career choices? Well, um, perhaps the first thing is I think that when you come from an artistic family and then you go into the performing arts yourself, there's always the assumption that you are somehow pressurized or pushed into it by your parents maybe. Uh, and, you know, nothing could be further from the truth, you know, uh, in terms of my life. Um, I grew up in the wings and on stage, you know, I started performing in theater and, and opera and musical theater with my parents at about six years old um, when they were still students in, at, at Juilliard in New York. And that happened very organically and very naturally. Um, they did not necessarily have any particular dreams for me to be anything in terms of one particular profession. They just raised me to believe that I could do anything, really, if I worked really hard and had a formidable work ethic and really applied myself, that the world was my oyster. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, as a child, really understand the complexities and the limitations of being a woman in the world or a black person in the world or an African in the world. So I really did grow up believing that I could do anything. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, so they were sort of the wind beneath my wings in that sense. They, they gave me a great sense of self-confidence and just endless possibility. So when I was younger, I wanted to be everything from, you know, 
a bus driver like my grandfather to a ballerina to um, an astronaut to a scientist to a doctor to an actress to just about everything you can imagine. So uh, to a sailor. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, I believe that if I had gone into any of these fields, they would have supported me equally. Um, but, you know, I, I think I just was given... Um, God sort of just awakened me to my purpose and my calling at a very, very young age in life, and I was drawn in a very organic and natural way to the performing arts, and I just understood and discovered my talents and my, my sort of purpose very early on in life. And, um, yeah, so it all sort of just evolved naturally from there with and their support. I guess, in a way, that being an actress and in the performance arts allows you to fulfill any role. So whether it is a bus driver, whether it's a ballerina, an astronaut, you've got those opportunities to explore. That's actually, that's really true. And I, you know, I also, I joke a lot and say, you know, I feel like, you know, I've lived one lifetime and yet I've lived a hundred, I get to live a hundred lifetimes. I get my life, but then through my all my different characters, I get to live vicariously mm. through them. So you're absolutely right. It is kind of an extraordinary life and profession in that way because you get to walk in in the shoes of so many different people from so many different with so many different experiences and backgrounds. And I think that's really special. That's probably the greatest gift of being an actor. Is it just breaks open your heart, your mind, your spirit. Um, in a very unique way, in a way that I, I don't think you get in any other profession, you're forced to have such a superhuman amount of empathy because uh, your ability to tell someone else's story in a way that is non-judgmental and that is authentic and to really, um, really walk in someone else's, a stranger's shoes and yeah. own their journey and their voice in a, in a believable way is based on empathy and lack of judgment and understanding and, and an open mind and an open heart. Um, so I think that's the greatest gift of my career is, is that really. But let me tell you, I don't always play good people or women who are together, have it together. You know, I've, I've played a lot of troubled people, a lot of broken people or people with tremendous trauma. So I have to say sometimes, depending on the role, but sometimes, sometimes I miss the character and having to step back into my own life, maybe because the character has this fly-ass, amazing designer wardrobe every single day. <laughs> I get to wear these amazing clothes, and that's kind of fun to sort of just live, play dress up and escape your life in that sense for a moment. And then uh, if I'm playing someone, you know, with a very dark story, it's such a relief to get to sort of come up for come up for air and return back to my own sanity and my own life. Now, talking about characters and walking into other people's shoes and telling people's experiences and stories, what would you say have been some of your mem most memorable roles thus far and why? You know, I think the role that I, I, I just played last year on this wonderful um, wonderful new military drama called Six, uh, produced by the History Channel and A Studios. I played um, a woman's rights and girls uh, education activist, Naomi Ejimuda, Ajimuda, from a, a Nigerian woman um, who's lived a very fascinating life. Um, I, one, I think, 
it was a wonderfully challenging experience for me as an actress to kind of get the opportunity to take a character from, uh, I was sort of one of the leads of the, um, of season one and, uh, to take a story and see it through the entire emotional arc and trajectory and evolution of a character from episode one to the final episode of a season, um, was, you know, a wonderful challenge and experience for me as an actress and kind of a breakthrough really for me in my career. Um, but I, I think it was, um, I think I just really grew a lot as an actress from that experience, not only because I was getting to play an African woman and someone whom I really, really deeply admired. And, um, you know, I kind of feel like I, I, I would like to be Naomi one day when I grow up or, or that even in another life I would have been Naomi. I related with her um, so deeply. And um, it's almost like I got to be the best version of myself through this character. And um, and so just the experience of getting to tell her story, I mean, her story was, was based around the abduction of, of the Chibok girls. So the Boko Haram. Chibok and... girls, by Boko, exactly, by Boko Haram in 2014 in northeastern Nigeria. So that was a very important story to tell and one that I was very passionate about and had been before I got the role. Um, and I was really troubled by the way it was being covered in the news and just how it seemed like the girls' voices was, were not their story and wasn't being told in their voices and their families' voices weren't heard. So it was um, really a very important, a tremendous honor and, and a responsibility that I took very seriously because I was telling a real story even though it was a fictional character. But it was based on, on this story that, that I cared a lot about and that I think we were all deeply shaken by as Africans when it happened in 2014. And, um, you know, getting to work opposite Walton Goggins, who's, a, you know, such a phenomenal actor and, and someone very deeply admired and incredibly accomplished and experienced, and, and getting to work with um, some of the greatest directors and, and uh, writers in, in the world, <laughs> you know, really captains of industry, people who are Academy Award nominated and, um, Emmy Award winning, Golden Globe Award winning, you know, it, it really kind of forced me to up my game. And it, yeah, it was just, uh, for many reasons, uh, quite a seminal moment in my career. And whilst you're on the topic, and I'm, I'm really glad that you, you raised this particular character, and whilst we're looking at it from an African perspective, you've played mm -hmm. Congolese woman, West African woman, East African mm -hmm. woman. One of the other programs that I, I heard that you did was Witness Uganda, which was a modern oh, Ugandan yeah. story. Musical, yeah. Uh, looking at a group of friends who adopt 10 orphans and put them through school with their right. Be the Change NGO. So these are <clears> all <throat> really pertinent African stories. Yeah. And given the wide range of media and the longevity of certain productions, because let, let's face it, media doesn't just exist in one particular environment or in one particular time frame. Mm -hmm. And as such, I think it plays a tremendously important role in cultural representation and also social influence. Yeah. With particular respect to women across Africa, I think it's important that they are, A, appropriately represented in media content, B, that their voices are heard, 
and see that they've got greater representation <coughs> across all sectors. Yeah. So I want to ask you, is women's representation a factor that influences your choice of roles? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a great question and it's a very noble <laughs> question. Um, and, and my answer should be yes, but if I'm really honest with you, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's one particular agenda or concern that um, drives me when I approach roles or, or when I'm considering taking on a role. I think perhaps the thing that I can say is consistent, no matter the role um, and its demands, is that I, I'm always seeking the truth, and I won't kind of negotiate on that. So I, I want to tell the stories of very real, relatable, multidimensional, dynamic, complicated women, um, or just human beings, period. Uh, I, I, I think it, it kind of, it sort of depends on where I am in my life and what's on my mind and in my heart. You know, I think... Sometimes life imitates art and art imitates life. So if you're maybe going through a breakthrough in your life, a, a breakup in your life, and you're dealing with the pain of that, or maybe lo the death and uh, losing someone that you really love, you sort of are gravitate, you gravitate towards perhaps roles that either are the very opposite of that, so you can kind of escape that pain, or that allow you to kind of in a therapeutic sort of way, um, deal with that pain and trauma through your art. So um, I suppose I think the last year of my life, when I think about going from Naomi Ajimuda in six to, um, well, I did play another role. I played, um, uh, I did a, the Michael Jackson movie in between, but then uh, jumped into, uh, into King Kong as Joyce. But I'd say those two characters, that I played within the space of a year are definitely um, maybe there was some sort of underlying or subconscious theme of strong women and lifting the voices of women who defy stereotypes and um, want to, uh, you know, um, define themselves and not be defined by the world, um, want to be... Uh, respected or recognized for their value and their worth and, and their whether it's their business acumen or their kind of w activist work, you know, and contribution to society. Um, so there has been that sort of theme, I think, kind of if I look at my career over the last year. But I wouldn't, I'm sorry to say, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily conscious. I try to stay just very open to what sort of the world and the universe is going to bring to me. And then I just listen to my intuition and my instinct, and I think, it, I'll, I'll tell you this, though, to answer your question probably a little bit better, um, what I'm always very conscious of is that I, I'm very clear that I never want to do work that perpetuates negative stereotypes about my people, about black people, about Africans, and certainly about women. So... Maybe, I know that sounds a little bit negative, but it's not so much 
looking for roles that represent women a certain way, but more um, being very clear that you want to be sure, you want to make sure that in whatever work that you do and whatever stories you are telling, you're not perpetuating negative stereotypes. Today, we're talking to Nondomi Sotembe, a multi-award winning actress, singer and songwriter. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to Nondomi Sotembe, a multi-award winning actress, singer and songwriter. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. So ultimately, looking at, at the roles, the elements that you look out for is not necessarily something which is particularly about representing women, but ultimately it is always about not perpetuating negative stereotypes and Absolutely. looking at roles which speak to you. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned King Kong. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that you, you raised that point because I, there's two things which come to mind. One, in terms of recreating the role of Joyce, which propelled mm-hmm. Miriam Makeba to international fame in the original yeah. production, which is oof, nearly 60 years ago. Yeah. And at the time, it was the first all-black South African musical in apartheid South mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you two questions. One what was it like to step into the shoes of Mama Africa? And the second question is, how did you feel to reenact such an important part of South African cultural history and depicting lives and the sentiment of the era? Yeah, well, it was a pretty daunting task and a little bit, uh, actually a lot, a a lot of a bit intimidating Um, initially. Uh, I do have to point out, though, that I was not playing Miriam Makeba. I was playing Joyce. And I think because of who Miriam Makeba was and who she is to us and what she means to us, uh, there's, there was naturally that hype and that excitement of sort of who's going to be the next Mama Africa and, you know, a lot of questions about... Um, I think people almost looked at it as if I was playing her and telling her story, but I was playing the character of Joyce, which is a character, a role that I I shared with her. So it it was Joyce's story that I really needed to bring to life and Joyce's voice that I had to find. And in understanding that and kind of unlocking that very early on, that really empowered me and helped me because it removed the, the nerves and just the pressure of, one, kind of being compared to one of the greatest vocalists of all time, um, who is just absolutely brilliant. 
Um, and also, it, it meant that I didn't have to mimic or try to recreate someone else's performance. Uh, my, my task was to tell Joyce's story and to find her voice. The music was exceptionally hard, some of the hardest that I've ever sung in my entire career. So I was incredibly challenged musically and vocally, um, which was which made the triumph of opening night and of really performing this show and finding my feet um, as Joyce, an even sweeter victory because, you know, when something has really pushed you to your limits and challenged you and pushed you out of your comfort zone, when you triumph in it, it just feels so much better and you come out the other side just having grown so much uh, as an artist. So um, as, as, as challenging as the music was and as intimidating as it was, um, I conquered it, you know, and I really made the role my own and I feel incredibly proud of the work that I did and the performance that I crafted in that role. Um, so, yeah, so the first step for me was really kind of uh, releasing myself from the pressure of having to try to mimic her or what we would have imagined was a performance. Because remember, this is a, a performance that was staged about 60 years ago. Very few people saw the original, and we have recordings of her uh, singing the role of Joyce but and some... Um, archival footage in terms of uh, old production photos, but we don't really know how, how that performance was manifested. And so that was sort of helpful in the sense that I think audience members and people maybe, and myself included, had an idea of what she would have sounded like or how she would have uh, breathed life into the role. But I also then had the freedom of, because of so much time and not really having um, a recording or a movie version, of her as Joyce. It sort of did allow me artistic freedom. And then also, you know, our wonderful director, Jonathan Mundy, very early on, uh, you know, made it very clear that our approach in this production was that this was a reimagining of the original, not a, not a revival or a restaging, a restaging of the original, which means that we all had a, you know, um, the gift of artistic and creative freedom and could really sort of um, approach all of our roles, um, you know, uh, w with our own kind of artistic instincts and interpretations. Of course, staying true to the original, but I, I don't know if you're aware, but some new music was written for the for our new staging, our new show, uh, or our new version of King Kong. And, of course, we had the wonderful and brilliant Gregory McOma doing the choreography, which was brand new. So there, there was a lot of fresh blood and fresh ideas and fresh energy kind of pumped into this new incarnation of King Kong. And so, yeah, that allowed me a lot of artistic freedom. Um, otherwise, I think I would have been very inhibited and overwhelmed in, in, in being compared to or trying to live up to Miriam Makeba, you know? Um, but I, I like to think that every, every night... Um, you know, on stage, she, I'd sort of blow kisses up to heaven to her just before I got on stage to start our big number, the very famous um, Back of the Moon. And, and I like to think that she was smiling down on me from heaven as well and, um, and that she knows that I did my best to honor her legacy and to celebrate her and um, while still making the role my own. But, um, you know, artists like that, paved the way and made it possible for for young black female artists like myself to 
have a thriving and successful international career. So I owe her a lot, and she means a lot to me as well. So uh, I, I wanted to celebrate her in small ways in the performance. And I think that also gives the opportunity to a new generation to experience King Kong and for, for, what, it, for what it is and, and what it was. Yeah. You had a second part of your... Um, yes, and that for me is almost like the more more serious part, and I suppose it's it's a bit of the way we're reflecting in, in terms of South Africa on our history. So the second part was really about the fact of, of the culture, of uh, how life was in that time, and yeah. to experience it, although obviously it is an imitation of it, but context, I think, plays a tremendous role in terms of what is happening in an environment. It shapes societies. Um, yeah, well, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head just now when we were talking about um, giving a new generation an opportunity to experience the, the, the show and the story. I think what was really exciting about this production and and also just our approach of it being a reimagining uh, not a strict restaging um, of of the original is that we were able to reintroduce this iconic and classic and very historical and incredibly important uh, piece of work to a new generation to a new audience and we did take some creative and artistic liberties by recontextualizing the show. For example, in the original, Pop, who's the story's narrator, tells the story to a group of washerwomen in 1950s Sophia Town, the story of King Kong. Um, in uh, our production, our 2017 production, he encounters a group of young boys in 2017 playing soccer and, um, you know, boys that are kind of potentially uh, about to go down the same negative path that King Kong did, and he recognizes something in one of the boys that reminds him of King Kong and then sort of tells the story then and takes them on this journey, tells them the story of the rise and fall of this great man, Ezekiel Zamini, which is how, which is what takes us back in time into the 1950s. So I think that was a very clever way to kind of recontextualize and maybe draw in a younger audience and just keep things kind of fresh and up-to-date and exciting. Um, and that worked really well. But, yeah, in terms of telling the story of the period... It, 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 was, it was painful at times. That's a very dark and painful time in our history, especially for a black South African cast to have to revisit. The Fayetown in the 1950s, this is around the period when, you know, the bulldozers were coming through and um, demolishing the place and di displacing so many people illegally and, and so many the lives of so many black people, so many black families were um, trampled on. And, and their hopes and dreams kind of um, just dashed. And that was painful. Uh, I think what helped was that, what, what helped this from being such a dark and a heavy story in the world is that there is so much life and joy and music and art and dance and love uh, bursting um, 
through Sophia Town itself. I mean, if you know of, of course, and we all kind of know of and remember Sophia Town, it was legendary. It was the South African or the African version of, um, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, Harlem in the 1920s. It, it, it's a place that where art and intellectuals and, you know, young activists and writers and, and singers and songwriters sort of thrived, and it was this kind of secret world of, against the backdrop of a very dark sociopolitical reality and the, the, the ugly and icy grip of, of oppression that was apartheid, this was a space where black people could go and sort of, during at night at least, escape the pain of their daily reality. And and so my character in particular, Joyce, was sort of the the, the vehicle for that because she created the, the Shabin, Back of the Moon, for her community, of course, to be a businesswoman and to, to, to provide for herself, but also as sort of a gift, an escape for her community. And um, so I think finding the joy in that, in the music and the dance and the life of these people, the story itself not being a political story at all. I mean, of course, we understand the backdrop and the, the socio-historical sort of backdrop and reality of the time, but the story itself is not a political story. It's about the rise and fall of a complicated man. It's about love. It's about watching these com complicated characters navigate through the ups and downs of life, which is very universal and relatable for anyone of any background from any race or or age group, and I think that's kind of the magic of the piece and why it is able to stand the test of time. You get, you know, a good love story, a good love triangle, no matter where you set it in the world, whether it's Shakespeare and, and Venice in the 1600s or Sophia Town, South Africa in the 1950s. I think, you know, a good love story and, and great characters and, and just watching interesting, uh, relatable human beings kind of just Fall and fumble yeah. and fail. And <laughs> look, those those stories absolutely transcend time, and I think that's that's one of the important aspects of of reproductions. I mean, yeah. look how long Shakespeare has has lived in terms of all of the the, the different renditions of his plays. Exactly. And that concludes the first part of our interview with Nondomi Sotembe. Tune in next week for part two.